0: From the CD Univest Studios at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA, it is time for another early warning episode of Chemical-Free Horticultural Hijinx. You bet your garden. Food costs are rising rapidly with fresh produce prices predicted to go through the roof this year. I'm your host, Mike McGrath, and on today's show, we'll urge you to order your seeds early, and explain how to get a super early harvest of tasty salad greens. Plus, your fabulous phone call questions, comments, tips, tricks, suggestions, and preposterously proposed protestations. So keep your eyes and or ears right here, cats and kittens, because it's all coming up faster than you watching your garden grow right after this. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at
1: ESPOMA.com.
0: Welcome to another thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden from the Univest Studios at Lehigh Valley Public Media and beautiful Bethlehem, PA. First, before we get started with the real part of the show, I need your help. My intern of two years is moving on, and I'm looking for a new one. This is an outdoor paid position with flexible hours. You'll need your own transportation, and the closer you are to the Lehigh Valley, the better. Send a brief email to ybyg at wlvt.org to get started. Be sure to write intern. In the subject line, podcasters and radio listeners, we have a new feature just for you discussing a pertinent story in the news. This week, nature returns to an unlikely site in Paris. You'll hear it on the podcast and on your local radio station, 888. 4-9-2-9-4-44. Dan, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hey, Mike. Hey, thanks Dan. Thanks for having me today. Well, thanks for being yeah. had. How you doing? Just right, sir. Okay. And where are you doing right?
2: I am located in Alpine, California, and that's about twenty-five miles uh, west east of the coastline there in San Diego. Oh,
0: so that you're still in the. Uh, mostly the perfect climate area.
2: Yeah, I hate to tell you that. But uh, we, we have been having a little bit of rain here, but
0: nothing like what you guys see. I love San Diego. I've probably spent, over the course of many trips there, a full year. And it's it's just heaven on earth. If I didn't work Thanks, for Mike. public yeah. broadcasting, I could afford to live there.
2: <laughs> That's awesome. Hey Mike, as much as I love San Diego, you made the Philadelphia Flower Show sound really good, and so it's it makes us uh, we're planning on on making a trip to go to Philadelphia here in March.
0: Oh, that's great! That's great. Um, So, what can I do you for then? So, um, I'm a bit of a novice on the on uh,
2: Philadelphia. I've I've only been there once when I was Mm -hmm. a kid, and so what. Would be helpful. There was hoping is if you could kind of give me the best tips about attending the Philadelphia Flower Show, and then also maybe just a few inside tips on on Philly itself. oh um, sure we will be staying kind of in the Washington
0: square West area, okay, so that's already arranged. it is yeah, Are you staying at the mint? um no, there's um it's kind of a uh, Airbnb oh, okay, so. Washington Square, um, Washington Square, not Rittenhouse Square. Right. So that's kind of like 6th to 8th Street off of Walnut. So you are right yeah. in the heart of Independence Hall National Park. Um, oh, awesome. Okay. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it, it, it's not that you can walk there. It's like you'll step out the door and you'll see it, you know, and the Liberty Bell is there and Carpenter's Hall and all that kind of stuff. And the interesting thing about, um, the Independence Hall Park is it's all free, uh, because it is a national park and it's patrolled by park rangers. So you're in an interesting area. Now you are going to be going, let's see. Uh, bum, 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 you're going to be going about six blocks north and then just a few blocks west to the Pennsylvania Convention Center. Um, Uh, Okay. So, you know, if the weather's nice, no problem. I would not suggest, even if the weather is terrible, that you get into a cab or an Uber because the traffic around the convention center is always at a standstill. It's no exaggeration that you'll wait half an hour for a light to change. So the best oh, wow. the best way to do this is on foot. And um, how long are you going to be here? So we are going to be there uh, from March 8th through March 11th. Okay. Excuse me. Um, the show opens March 4th, as you know, and closes on the 12th. So that's, uh, that's a really good stretch of time. Um, if the weather is poor, you can visit uh, our historical sites right outside your door. Uh, there are also some very nice restaurants that line um, um, the square, Washington Square. And by the way, um, Washington Square is the most sacred site in Philadelphia. It's a mass grave where everybody whose identity was unknown was buried after the Revolutionary War. So, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, oh yeah. When you're walking on those, um, on those pathways, you're walking over tinsmiths and farmers, silversmiths, people who gave up everything for this crazy idea. Mm. And, you know, there is a story in Philadelphia that I have to repeat. It is rumored that because there were so many, uh, the bodies had to be dropped in standing up. And the Americans were dropped in on their feet, whereby the English were buried upside down. Oh, my goodness. Wow. So, yeah, uh, it basically... You know, you want to pick your nicest days to go to the flower show and don't rush to get there early. Everybody thinks they have to get there early. Uh, But early in the morning, in come 300 or so buses from all around the East Coast and the Mid-Atlantic bringing garden clubs in. So it is at its most jammed pretty much when the doors open. Mm -hmm. The buses leave at three, and uh, the show is open till nine or nine thirty. So it would be very easy for you to go in at say noon and look around. You know, get you know, get some uh, feeling for the for the space. Don't worry that you can't really get up close to the displays. So get your hand stamped because you can come in and out. And then if the weather's dicey, there's all sorts of places to eat inside the convention center. But if the weather is decent, you are only about three blocks outside of Chinatown. And you've got Vietnamese food, you've got Thai food, you've got every uh, geological sector of Chinese food. One of my favorites is a Burmese restaurant called Rangoon that is, you know, just out of this world. And that's a, a whole town. other experience, too, in Chinatown. So that's your, that's your map right there. Uh, and again, after oh. you have a nice lunch, you come back. Say so you get back there at around 2 o'clock. It's starting to thin out. By... Uh, by like three o'clock, you'll be walking right up to the exhibits, mm-hmm. and this this show, this season's show, um, I don't, I can't remember the exact name, but it's like the Disney Electrical Parade. It's uh, you know one of the features is going to be tons of lights and things like that, you know, which we need in Philadelphia to brighten up early March. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I was I was actually kind of curious why um, why March um, just
0: seems like early in the season. Well, when I was a major exhibitor, which I did for seven years, we used to joke uh, that it was in March because it was impossible for us to grow the plants and get them there safely. But it was meant <laughs> it was always meant to be a precursor of spring. You know, by the time you're finished dragging yourself through February and you get to March and you see it looks just like February, um, you have this vision of things to come. The spring bulbs coming up, the flowering plants. It is better than Prozac. A couple of hours at the flower show is better than any kind of prescription drug for depression. And then because (laughs) motivation and inspiration, right? Yeah. And then you leave and a couple of weeks later, everything starts coming up. So, you know, it's kind of your halfway house, you know, not that you would understand this living near San Diego, but, (laughs) um, it gets darn gloomy here in January. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Surprisingly, my
2: tomatoes are still producing
0: here. Oh so, no, so, no. Get this clown off the air. Crazy talk. He's <laughs> <It's> just <laughs> yeah. bragging now. But,
2: All but right. Only
0: only because of the tips I've gotten from you, sir. Oh, of so, course, you. sure. Yeah. Try to butter me up now. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> I hope that's uh that is helpful to you. Uh we'll be talking about the flower show more in the coming weeks. Oh, perfect. Mike, I can't thank you enough
2: for your time today. I really enjoy your show, and you've you definitely made a difference
0: in my gardening here. Well, so, thank you. Thank you. All right. Good mm-hmm. luck to you, sir. Thank you. Bye bye. As promised, we are introducing a new feature for our longer show edition in the podcast and radio show format. Um, It is news you can use, newspaper articles that I think are really relevant to what we're doing here. The first one is a pickup from the New York Times that was featured in my local newspaper, A Life Now Thrives in Famous Parisian Cemetery. So, the cemetery, and please forgive me if I don't do this correctly, Père Lachaise is nestled between traffic-laden avenues in eastern Paris. It has long been known as the final resting place for celebrated artists, including Jim Morrison, Oscar Wilde, and who else we got here? Proust, Chopin, and Sarah Bernhardt, the old one, not the new one. Um, For many years, uh, this famous cemetery, there was a need, a perceived need, to keep it neat and clean. So herbicides were used by the gallon. And as a result, there was no life in the cemetery. (laughs) Not that you'd expect there to be a lot, But come on, you want to see a bug or two. Um, The greening, well, the caretaker first starts by saying, nature's taking back its rights after Paris decided uh, to first step down and then end herbicide use as a blow against climate change and global warming. The greening of the Acropolis stems from a decades-old plan to phase out herbicides and turn the cemetery into one of Paris's green lungs, as the dense capital is designing its urban landscape to make it more climate-friendly in the face of rising temperatures. We made a complete turnaround, says the caretaker, with Overuse of herbicides being followed by no herbicide use at all. Now, this was fascinating to me. Some 1.3 million individuals are interned there, a figure equal to about half of Paris's living population. So, that's kind of weird. Anyway, in the old days, the smallest dandelion had to be eliminated. But that approach started to change in 2011 when the city's municipal government encouraged Paris' cemeteries to phase out herbicides out of environmental concerns. Caretakers were originally very hostile to the initiative, but then they started to see flowers bloom and birds return. By 2015, a full ban on herbicides was in force, and the result was a rich ecosystem that developed as a result. The kidney-shaped leaves of cyclamen flowers, white, pink, and lavender, have popped up between the raised crypts. Whole choirs of birds, including robins and flycatchers, have settled in the cemetery's vast canopy. This was a treat for everybody, but it really reached its peak of importance when coronavirus hit in April 2020 in a ghostly Paris under lockdown the caretaker came across a pair of foxes and their four cubs in the cemetery a rare sighting anywhere in the city limits um since then it's only gotten better it is now an ecological wonder that only 5 years ago was barren and Other cemeteries, not only in France, but also in neighboring countries, are adopting this attitude. So it is, to me, it's a giant step forward and real good news at a time when we could use some. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and sadly inform you that I will not be appearing at the Mohegan Sun Arena in Wilkes-Barre, PA, in early February, as was previously planned due to problems that have arisen with the venue. Boo-hoo! Now, your non-traveling man, Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden. From the Univest Studios at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma natural gardening community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Welcome back to another thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden from the Univest Studios at Levi, uh, Levi's, Levi's, the Ware of gardeners everywhere. Now, Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, P.A. Am I wearing Levi's? I don't even know. Um, I'm your adult host, Mike McGrath. Coming up later in the show, we're going to warn you about what I believe will be a potential seed shortage as produce prices continue to rise exponentially, what you can do about it, and how to get an early start on growing your own salad greens. But first, more of your fabulous phone calls at 888-492-9444. Rosario, welcome to you. (laughs) Oh, and I get paid money for this. Rosario, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Thank you. How are you? Thank you, thank you.
3: I'm great, thanks. How are you?
0: I'm just ducky. What? And I knew it. If I played with Ducky enough, I would knock over Sprout, the newest addition to our Legion of Super Toys here. And there. Lean against Ducky, Sprout. You remember he is the tiny colleague of the Jolly Green Giant. Yes. <laughs> All right, Sprout. I'm going to have to stand you up somehow, okay? In the meantime, I'll just... Play with you and reinforce everyone's feelings about me. Uh, where are you, Rosario?
3: So I am in Dubford in South Jersey.
0: Okay, very good. What can we do you for?
3: So when we moved into our home, it was late spring, summer. I was heavily pregnant. And we just kind of, we had a good clean yard, um, but there was asparagus beds and strawberry beds and just kind of let that go. Okay. A little bit over time, had the baby, we've been cleaning up the yard a little bit, and now I've got four big construction bags mm-hmm. full of yard waste, and it's, it's not leaves, it's, it's overgrown asparagus or strawberries, weeds, grass seeds, all of these things that kind of grew up around the garden, and I'd really like to know if, well, first of all, they won't pick it up, it's too big for the trash, Um so do i have to find a way to get rid of this is it okay to use as compost starter or am i just kind of this is now garbage it's got to go away
0: um so you didn't harvest the asparagus for eating or was it already too? no they
3: were huge okay. they grew up over the fence actually and the, the the trunks of them were gigantic
0: okay so that's an old bed did you allow a couple of them to stand and produce their fronds?
3: Yes, um, accidentally. <laughs> and so they did that about twice um, before I just took them all down to the soil level. When was that? Um, last time was maybe about two months ago.
0: Oh, okay, good, good. So they were done photosynthesizing. Yes. See, the mm-hmm. The key to asparagus is to always let the last couple of spears form those beautiful fronds, and that replenishes uh, the root system underground for the next year. Now, I have a feeling that your asparagus bed is so hardy, you might have even gotten away with that without letting some fronds. But, you know, in the spring now, you know to harvest as soon as the little uh, little sprouts come up, no offense, little sprout, um, and uh, and enjoy them, uh, you, any size, any size whatsoever. And uh, did you ever have an sp- asparagus bed before?
3: No, no, okay. this is my first time with it.
0: Okay, well, as soon as they reach a nice size, the thinner the better, the thinner they are, the sweeter they're going to be. And don't use a knife or anything. Just snap them off at ground level. Oh, okay. You know, and then stop when the new ones are no bigger than a pencil or when you're sick of it. All right. uh, Strawberry bed. You didn't eat the strawberries?
3: No. So they were completely, that bed just kind of was so overgrown. And it never really looked like it had many berries. So I don't know kind of. I've never had them, but I've never seen strawberry beds this overgrown.
0: Okay. Now, um, did I hear you say that uh, the bags are stinky? They're not. Okay, good. Did you collect any leaves in the fall, or do you have leaves still laying around the property that you could now collect?
3: I could probably collect some leaves.
0: Well... There aren't
3: too, too many, but I can definitely get them.
0: Okay. Um... Boy, if you lived near me, I'd give you bags and bags. Um, (laughs) Leaves left in uh, giant plastic bags will actually turn into compost. I I learned this um, not the hard way, but accidentally um, when I misplaced a couple of bags and found them years later, and they were filled with perfect compost. So um, you don't want to overwhelm um, your compost pile with greenery, which is what you have. Um, but because of your situation, um, are, are you planning to actually harvest your leaves this coming fall? Yes. Okay.
3: So there are 15 other kind of garden beds that are empty. They mm-hmm. had been prepared, but they hadn't actually been seeded. Okay. So what I was hoping to do is be able to continue to have an active compost so that I can continue to fertilize these
0: beds. Right. Um, Do you think that it sounds like your asparagus bed was uh, incredibly fertile? Do you think that these beds have a lot of compost in them?
3: I would bet so. I I think so. Um, The only concern that I have is how many grass seeds were on top of them and how much grass I had to clear out of them by Mm -hmm. the time I got to them.
0: Well, um, weeding is, is the bane of all gardeners. Um, you can uh, purchase a device uh, called the Water Powered Weeder from Lee Valley Tools. I don't know that anybody else sells this thing, but it's a long spike you attach to your garden hose and shove it in the ground and pull the trigger, and the weeds come out by themselves. Once the roots are inundated, uh, you can pull them without any trouble whatsoever. And and that's what I would recommend for your grassy weeds to start. Um, So uh, I want you to get, you know, it'd be nice if you could get a sealed compost bin because of the vegetable waste that's in there. You don't want to be attracting vermin um, with the dead asparagus and stuff. So start out with a sealed bin, uh, rake up all the leaves you can find, maybe make a bed of straw or uh, pine straw on the bottom to give you a little extra brown material to get started and then empty some of your vegetable waste especially the stuff that contains real vegetables like the asparagus on top and then cover that with as many shredded leaves as you can Uh, you can shred them with your lawn mower Um, you know, but I would urge you in the future to get ready for the fall, uh, to get a leaf blower with a reverse setting and a collection bag. And that's, again, you're standing up, you're not bending over, you suck the leaves up, they get shredded for you, you dump them in the bin, you almost can't overdo the brown material in a bin. So this is going to be a process. I mean, um, depending on the amount of leaves you have and how big a bin you'll get, um, it, could, it could actually take a couple of years. But if you get rid of the truly vegetable material and <clears throat> leave the ones with the weeds and the grass alone for now, um, you should be able to work this through.
3: That sounds fantastic. I'm really looking forward to it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of energy in the nitrogen in that green material, um, but it needs dry, brown, carbon-based material to become good compost.
3: Okay. And do you think at this point I could start adding kitchen scraps? Or just leave this alone for now?
0: Yeah, no, you are overwhelmed with kitchen scrap-like material. Yeah. you know, if if you're not dead set against it, uh, the best use for vegetable waste uh, is a worm bin. I just worked my worm bin, and even in the winter, these guys have been turning, you know, kitchen garbage into beautiful compost-like soil. Oh, okay. Yeah, I like the tower, the worm tower, where you have trays that you put on top of each other, because it's really easy to harvest the finished material, Okay. Great. All right. Perfect. We-
3: Thank you so much. I really appreciate it.
0: Oh, my pleasure. Thank you, and uh, good luck. Lo- uh, what's the baby's name? Lily. Lily. <laughs> just don't plant Lily of the Valley in her honor.
3: No, no. Just hopefully she'll just be helping me in the yard.
0: Okay. <laughs> good. Start them young. All right. <laughs> bye bye for now.
3: Thank you. Bye bye.
0: Lee, welcome to You Bet Your Garden.
4: Oh,
0: thank you. It's great to be talking with you. It's great to be talking with you, Lee. (laughs) What they don't know outside of behind the scenes is that it took us a while to hook this call up. But we're glad to have you on. Thank you for your patience. And how are you doing?
4: I'm doing fine. I just have a question or a worry that I hope that you can help me feel better about. Um, We've had a very uh, rough winter here in Tennessee.
0: What part of Tennessee, may I ask?
4: Um, Middle Tennessee. We call our town Mount Juliet, a suburb of Nashville.
0: Oh, okay. Very good. Uh, Nashville is a great responsive town for us. We love it. Um, So what's going on?
4: Well, about three weeks ago, we had a snow uh, that was preceded by a freezing rain, Mm -hmm. and uh, we've lost a lot of ornamental shrubs, I believe. By now, the leaves are falling off. Burford, holly, I think it is, and even some of our Manhattan shrubs, ornamental in our area and in our home yard. And I was wondering if you could give me any peace of mind, will those come back?
0: Well, you know, with all of these kind of questions, nobody knows the answer till spring arrives. Um, All of those plants have the capability of growing or putting on new growth. Um, They may need a year to kind of stumble around in the dark and recover, But there's no reason to believe that they are really most sincerely dead. Um, What is happening with your weather now?
4: It's actually warmer than usual. That's not, uh, well, that's not unusual in Tennessee, but we're maybe in the 50 to 60 degree range for several days. And then from history, it may snow again in the next week or two.
0: Right. Um, And you said you had. An ice storm followed by snow.
4: Correct. Not a deep snow, but an ice storm. Yes, that's yeah, right.
0: Ice is the worst. Ice can severely damage plants just by the, by the weight, the sheer weight of the ice on the plants. You know, heck, it collapses roofs. So um, how, how has the rain been um, this winter?
4: Well, pretty good this winter. I looked to see if we were considered to have a drought during the summer. We went for weeks without rain in uh, July, August, and September. But then when I looked at the records, it didn't consider a drought. I was worried maybe that was part of the hardship, and then the ice came.
0: Well, uh, you're kind of right. If uh, weather like that is predicted and it has been very dry lately. It it may be counterintuitive, but it's a good idea to water your plants at the base before the weather event hits. Um, Plants Mm -hmm. that are well hydrated are less likely to suffer tip burn and other things from cold winds. And it's a sin you didn't get a lot of snow because snow protects plants better than any kind of mulch. So there's, you know, there's nothing, and we're hearing about this um, a lot from Tennessee, but a lot from other places as well. Anytime you get really cold and windy conditions and the plants are already a little dry, it really stresses them. But the most important thing you can do now is nothing. Don't look at them. Don't think about them. Uh, Pick a good streaming service and binge on, like, eight different shows. And in the spring, you should hopefully see signs of life. If you do, don't clean them up. Don't prune anything off. Wait till everything has shown you what it's going to do. Let's say we're in May now, and at that point, it would be safe to remove totally dead branches. Um, but other than that, it's, it's in the hands of God, my child.
4: I was afraid of that. It's pretty massive. You can almost go anywhere and see it on shrubs around our area, and um, I, we will see. Step away, (laughs) not not intervene and give it time. The impulse,
0: the gardener's impulse is to always help. And that's always the wrong thing to do. Let nature handle this. She has been through this before. And the fact that it's afflicted so many of your neighbors, you can't take it personally. (laughs) (laughs) But be patient wait to see how they um, leaf out in the spring and if you're uncertain about something if some plants leaf out and some plants don't, again I would urge you to be patient and if a plant is really truly dead, wait till the fall to replace it because there's going to be a big run on shrubs in the spring in your area and by fall they will have restocked And the prices will be lower, and it's a great time to plant new trees and shrubs. In the meantime, just throw a shroud over them and pretend it's Lent, you know. Well,
4: I appreciate that.
0: Well, I'm I'm sorry for your troubles. It's nothing you did. And I wish you luck, and um, take care of yourself.
4: I appreciate it. Thank you so much. It gives me peace of mind just to not intervene and step away, and we'll try that and see what comes of it.
0: Very good. You'll do better than your neighbors who hop in there with fertilizer and pruners. All right, you you. take care, and bye-bye for now. Thank you. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and announce one more time that my garden intern of two years is moving on, and I am looking for a new intern. This is a paid position with flexible hours. You will need your own transportation, and the closer you are to the Lehigh Valley, the better. Send a brief email to ybyg at wlvt.org to get started. Be sure to write intern in the subject line. I'm Help Wanted, Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the UniVest Studios at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA.
3: This is 91.3 FM,
0: WLVR Bethlehem, WLVR.org. Welcome back to another thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden. From the Univest Studios at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA, I am your host, and we are in the stretch right now, cats and kittens. In just a few minutes, we will urge you to get your seeds as early as possible this season because of predicted produce price increases that are almost unbelievable. But we'll make you believe it after a couple more of your fabulous phone calls, at 888-492-9444. Dana, welcome to You Bet Your Garden.
1: Yes, it's good to hear your voice again.
0: Well, thank you. I, I, I hope you hear my voice every week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I mean
1: personally, sir. Yes. yes. All right.
0: Um, uh, how are you doing, Dana? I am doing great.
1: I I know I'm speaking with Mike McGrath, the guru of the garden, the oracle of organics, okay. titan of the tomato, oh. king of corn, caesar of cilantro, pulverizer <laughs> of pests, destroyer of disease, mystic of the melons, the holy one of jalapenos, the zen of zucchini, wait for it, ah, oh, the razor of raised beds.
4: Oh, good and I Lord. know you could
1: just sit there for an hour and <laughs> Listen for to me. and Admire you, sir, but uh, I'm sure you want to get down to business.
0: Oh Lord, we got to get a court stenographer to put that down on paper. <laughs> I got a dozen more, sir. A dozen. Okay. Uh, where are you, Dana? I'm the Cedar Creek Algae Man, right here in Greenville, Tennessee. So that means we've spoken before in the air. Yeah, about Cedar Creek algae. All right. Well, what's up
1: today? Well, I give away my algae to any organic farmer that wants to come by. All organic farmers are my friends. Right. And everyone that shows up says, oh, they're being destroyed by blossom end rot. Okay. Now, I'll give you what we do, what, what I do here. I have an organic gardening friend who's been in it much longer. He says he puts epsom salts in the hole. And I go just one step further. Uh, in the gardening store, they have this stuff called Calmag. And when I looked at the price, I uh, I went home. And, uh, I'm not a scientist or anything, but uh, I grind up eggshells into a fine powder, mix a cup of that with five gallons of water, and I throw in a heap and teaspoon of Epsom salts. And we don't have much problems, but these other people are getting wiped out with it.
0: Okay. It's, well, let's, hoping you could. Let's start with the salts of Epsom, which I believe was a, a French resort town um, where this material was discovered. It is a great source of, oh, not magnesium. Maybe magnesium. It yeah, it is a great source of magnesium. I don't think it has much calcium in it. Magnesium is very helpful, especially if you have uh, deficiencies in your soil. But it is exactly right. Uh, The eggshell trick is something I have done um, 30 years of my gardening, and I never get blossom end rot. When I do uh, a public talk and I talk about tomatoes, I say this is the only sure thing in organic right. gardening, but I do it a little differently than you do. So, and this okay, is—I want to hear it. This is a great time to educate people about this, as we use our eggs, we'll crack the eggs, and then put the eggshells back in that container and let them air dry for a while, and try to put them somewhere we'll find them at tomato planting time. So tomatoes are unique among garden vegetables in that the deeper you can bury the stem, the more productive and healthy the plant's going to be because it grows auxiliary roots anywhere where it's covered by soil. So you often have to pull off the bottom leaves of the tomato, but don't worry about that. So you dig a deep hole, you put... The, um, the start, the baby tomato, into the hole, and then you just take with your hands and crush up a dozen eggshells. That's why we put them back into the uh, egg cartons, so we know right. what a dozen is. And then we do that right over top of the root ball. Then we refill the hole with the soil we removed and then we mulch with compost on top. But getting, right. getting the calcium, getting that real rich natural calcium down there um, is really important. I would not dilute it because you want the eggshells to release their calcium slowly. You don't want to blend them up and have a, a big hit of calcium when the plants don't have any fruits on them. Because if right. there is not adequate calcium flowing to the fruits, they will start to rot out on the bottom just as the fruits ripen up. All right, man? Okay, Mike. Good hearing from you. You too. Bye-bye. Two little
1: bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs. Two little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs. Little box in a box, 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 in a box Little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug. One little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug. little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug, little
3: bug little bug, little
0: bug, little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug Well, it is time for the question of the week. Which is not a question this week, it's an answer. It is a special report. Predicted fresh produce inflation means it's more important than ever to grow your own food. COVID, inflation, the heartbreaking war in Ukraine, which is a major grain producer for the world climate change, and massive labor shortages have all contributed to a, quote, perfect storm of rising prices for fresh produce. The Consumer Price Index reports that grocery prices overall rose 12% in 2022. That's bad enough, but the Bureau of Labor Statistics reports a startling 38% rise in the wholesale price of fresh produce in one month alone. By the way, the price of fresh eggs rose a whopping 244% last year. So if you've been thinking about keeping chickens, this would be a good year to start. Or do like I do and make connections with chicken owners in your neighborhood. Buy or barter their extra eggs, and you'll save money and enjoy fresher food, as indicated by the deepness of the color in the yolks of these hand-raised birds. Enough economics. Let's get back to the garden. When COVID hit, I was declared a, quote, essential worker because I was teaching people to grow food gardens, which would get them outside to brighten their spirits, Without risk, various organizations estimated that the number of people who grew food gardens doubled that first year. Seed and plant suppliers sold out earlier than ever. The following year, it doubled again. A good sign for people, birds, bees, butterflies, and children of all ages. Oh, and the planet if you grew organically, and you better have. So once again, we are ringing in the new year with advice for people who want to begin growing some of their own food and for the already growers who want to up their game. All right, we're going to talk about seeds. Two kinds, seeds that are sown directly in the ground and seeds that are meant to be used to grow starts, plants that will go outside if they survive two months of your tender mercies indoors. If you have never started tomatoes, peppers, eggplant, cucumbers, and such indoors, I urge you to take a pass this year. Contact your local independent garden center, no dumpster divers here, and reserve the varieties you wish to plant outside. Or ask a longtime gardening friend to grow a few extra starts for you. Pay them off with a big bag of organic potting soil and or perlite. Visit this surrogate soil of yours regularly. Watch, learn, and listen. Or is that just for train tracks? I forget. Direct seeded crops. Lettuce, spinach, kale, and other salad greens are up first. Problem. In many areas of the country, the soil is too cold to sprout the seeds, but the sprouted plants will thrive outdoors in the cool air of March and April and should continue to produce through the end of June. So gather up all the larger-sized containers you can find and fill them with a mixture of organic potting soil, perlite, and some high-quality finished compost. No manure, no peat moss, no, quote, organic soil, and no rocks in the bottom of the pots. Water the containers by sitting them in a sink with a couple of three inches of water for an hour or so. Note how much heavier they are now. That's the best way to judge the water needs of containers. Lightweight means it's time to water. If it's heavy, let it be. Now. Sow the seeds of a leaf lettuce variety thickly onto the saturated soil. Cover the seeds with about a half inch of organic potting soil. Then cover the whole schmagegi with saran wrap and place it in a warm spot in your home. No light is needed at this time. Check the plastic wrap daily. If no moisture is beating up on the inside of the wrap, Miss the surface well and rewrap. When sprouts appear, remove and recycle the wrap at a supermarket that accepts plastic bags for recycling. Move the containers to the brightest indoor spot you have for about a week, then take the pots outside. If days are warm, but some nights are still below freezing, bring the pots back in at dinner time and take them back out the next day, you get warmer temperatures. When nighttime temps are reliably in the high 30s or above, leave the containers outside in full sun. If you follow directions so far, there's no need to feed, but water gently if the containers feel light. When the greens reach a solid 3 inches high, you can begin harvesting them cut-and-come-again style. Using a sharp pair of scissors, clip off the tops of each leaf, but leave a good inch behind to regrow. You can repeat this at least three times, and by then it'll be time to direct seed more greens right in the ground or preferably in raised beds. Good news! This is the most time-consuming part of stretching the season. After this, you'll be direct seeding in warm soil. You'll also be harvesting fresh, super-sweet greens. Lettuce and its friends are always sweeter when grown in cold weather that you can enjoy personally or sell on the black market for gas money. Other seeds to order soon. Peas, snow peas, snap peas, or English shelling peas. We will discuss these tasty treats of spring next week. But alas, for now we are out of time. Tune in for more seedy information next week, and remember, order your seeds soon. Well, that sure was some timely advice about getting a head start on tasty salad greens this season, now wasn't it? Luckily for you, the Question of the Week appears in print at the Gardens Alive website. To read it over at your leisure or, of course, your leisure, just click the link for the Question of the Week at our website, which is still and will forever be, youbetyourgarden.org. Gardens Alive supports the You Bet Your Garden question of the week, and you will always find the latest question of the week at the Gardens Alive website. Yikes, my producer is threatening to steal my seeds. If I don't get out of the studio, we must be out of time. But you can call us anytime at 888-492-9444 or send us your email. You're tired, you're poor, you're wretched email refuse teeming towards our garden shore at YBYG at WLVT.org. And as always, please include your location. You Bet Your Garden is a half-hour public television show, an hour-long public radio show and podcast, all produced and delivered to you weekly, perhaps strongly, from the Univest Studios at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Our radio show is distributed by PRX, the public radio exchange. You Bet Your Garden was created by Mike McGrath. Mike McGrath was created when a mad doctor sewed together corn stalks and pieces of overripe fruit and then shocked this horticultural horror to life with a joy buzzer. Ken Queeter is our musical director. Our chief content officer is Yoni Greenbaum. Our angel of the airwaves is Christine Dempsey. Our sound engineer is the always cheerful Charlie Sarah. Our social media director is Amanda Norfleet. Check out her fine work and send us your pretty garden pictures to post at the You Bet Your Garden Facebook page. You could go viral, in the good way, of course. Teresa Radke is our peerless princess of profound production. Special thanks to our audio editor the always lovely Jonas Bowen, for the holiday gift of our newest cast member, a vintage sprout. He wanted to get me a Jolly Green Giant, but couldn't fit it in the studio. Judicious Jake Boyer does the video and didn't give me nothing. Our directorial director of direction is the harassed and harried Javier Diaz, who tried to give me a cold. Authorities are still on the lookout for our beloved band of carnies, fortune tellers, and card sharks, including Jacob Morris, Zach the Tack, Eric Werner, and anybody else hiding out in the control room. Our beloved and bedraggled CEO Tim Fallon has moved his investigation of public broadcasting opportunities from Key West to sunny Southern California while continuing to amass an impressive collection of tiny little umbrellas. I'm your seed-sorting host, Mike McGrath, and I'll be picking my first runs of salad greens with the help of the Magic 8-Ball and a set of Yahtzee dice until I can see you again next week. Actually, you'll see me if you're watching on TV. I won't see you, but I think about you all the time.